thrilled to have in studio Joshua Scharf. You have this really important op-ed. Do we call it an op-ed? Is that what it is? Or is I it... guess you'd call it an editorial yeah. in some sense. It's, uh, I mean, there's there are facts in there. It's not, you know, sort of a content-free op-ed. It's not a, a rant. But I guess I guess there's some opinion in there, too. Okay. So. Okay. Well, and RTD's subsidized commutes are increasingly for the well-off. And, Joshua, freedom of mobili- mobility, the freedom to be able to move where you want to, when you want to, is inherent for a free society, for people to be able to move about. And we were talking about it in the first segment. Politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties are trying to think of all kinds of different ways to get you out of your car and uh, while they're not getting out of their car and get getting into public transportation. But we're going to talk about trains. And uh, when I was on City Council of Lone Tree, I watched this. It was fascinating this uh, this move to try to get these uh, train lines built. Mm-hmm. So tell us about your piece here in Complete Colorado. Yeah, it basically traces a change in the nature of the ridership on RTD that has coincided with the increase in light rail, with the extension of the light rail. And it indicates that the percentage of riders who are making more than $75,000 a year has shot way up. And the percentage of riders who are making, say, between uh, ten and twenty-five thousand, or twenty-five and thirty-five thousand, has declined. And of course, this has happened. Uh, this has happened really since the since the uh, extension of the light rail, both down south, but also out into Aurora, the the airport extension that we all know, and of course the the westbound line out to Golden as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that as the light rail has expanded, this has increasingly become. Uh, sort of buses for affluent suburbanites uh, rather than, you know, serving people who can't afford to have their own, to have, to have as many cars as they have workers that, that, I mean, and, and don't get the idea that I'm opposed to public transportation. I'm in favor of public transportation. I'm in favor of public transportation that people can afford to use that people actually are able to use and that serves people who are not able to, to, to drive their own cars. So, that's, you know, that, that, I mean, we like buses, right? Buses are flexible. Buses are not a huge capital investment. Uh, when a neighborhood changes, you can put more buses there. When a neighborhood changes the other direction, you can take buses away. You haven't built these rail lines that are inflexible and that are this massive both capital expense and ongoing maintenance expense. Obviously, buses require maintenance, but they're nothing like the, the, the cost of maintaining rail equipment. And so what has ended up happening is that you have this, uh, th- this shift from so so we 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 like public transportation but we like public transportation that's accessible and light rail is not that and in one of the ways that it's not accessible is that it tends to serve people who are already you know well off well and interesting that um you know many times i i know what you're talking about as far as as um well off people using using the trains and, but yet, on days when they need to use their car, they will use their car. Absolutely. And when we talk about subsidized commutes, this is one of the things that has been very frustrating for me, is that when you look at public transportation, the the fare that you pay typically uh, only covers 
maybe 20 to 25 percent of the actual cost. That's about right. Yeah, it's about about 20 or 25 percent, depending on the rail line and depending on the um, depending on whether it's rail or bus. That's the, but that's about right. Overall, it's about 20 or 25 percent. So what that means is, is if you're paying, I, I don't know what it is. Is it four dollars or five dollars to? It's, I think it's a three dollar one way fare. Okay. Uh, and that, by the way, there was a study that came out in, I want to say February, might have been January of this year, that compared the one-way fares in major cities across the country. Denver, congratulations, you're the most expensive. <laughs> but no, still- seriously, the most expensive of any major metropolitan area in the country, the one-way fare, $3, more expensive than anywhere else, more expensive than New York, more expensive than San Francisco, more expensive than than places that you think of as being very expensive to live. Congratulations. You're you're the most expensive. Okay, well, in that case, it's still, I, I do not like the fact that these things, you know, if they were a private enterprise, they would be out of business because the cost uh, or what you pay for your fare only covers, let's let's say it's 25% uh, of the the actual cost of of the ride. So that means if the if the fare is $3, the actual cost is $12. So somebody's making up that difference, mm-hmm. okay? And so that would mean for a round trip, it would be $24. If people had to pay the real cost, mm-hmm. they might not be doing that. Uh, in oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, if you had to pay, if you had to pay uh, an extra, you know, $120, if you had to pay an extra $125, that's $500 a month. Uh, if you had an extra pay, pay an extra $500 a month to, uh, to, to get to your job, most people couldn't afford to get to their jobs. The, uh, the, there's a... Um, uh, uh, right. So, I mean, that's, that's, obviously, that's obviously a big part. So where does the money come from? Exactly. From Who's paying for that? So it's interesting. It comes from a sales tax, uh, a sales tax subsidy. It's like an extra 1% mm-hmm. sales tax that goes in the RTD in the Metropolitan District. The RTD is, uh, is an extra 1% sales tax. That is, even with all the cutouts, even with all the exemptions for things that people think of as necessities, uh, that, that really are necessities like clothing and food and that kind of thing, uh, even with all of that, that is still a regressive tax. So what does that mean? It means that as a percentage of income, somebody who is making less money pays more as a percentage, even though it's a sales tax, people as a percentage of income are paying more at the lower end of the scale than they are at the higher end of the scale. It's a regressive tax. And this, by the way, is something that people on the left and the right and the center all agree on, that even if you have these cutouts, what ends up happening is that people who make more money, well, they have more expensive tastes. And this is fine. That's not a bad thing. Um, but they also get the sales tax exemption. So if you're, if you're buying a really nice, uh, in, in places where clothing is exempt, if you're, you buy a nice suit, that nice suit is as, is as exempt as the off-the-rack you know, pencil skirt that you're going to buy. So, it's, uh, so, so they still end up paying less. You end up with a regret, no matter how you try to slice this, because you can't, you, at, at the point of sale, you don't know how much somebody is making, you end up with this regressive tax where as a percentage of income, people who are making people who are poor or working class pay a higher percentage of their income in sales tax, which means let's connect the dots. The people who are making less are subsidizing these nice gliding air conditioned comfortable rides of the people who are making more. Okay. Fascinating to really get into the weeds in this. And so what it really does is it is affecting hardworking everyday Coloradans' wallets because this is a sales tax that is actually subsidizing these rides. Um, a question, though, because we had published this on Facebook, 
And somebody said, well, I ride the bus, and I don't see a whole bunch of well-off people on that. So let's go to break. When we come back, I'd like to hear you know, what, what you would say to that particular comment. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. We're talking with Joshua Scharf in his very important piece. Uh, in Complete Colorado, RTD's subsidized commutes are increasingly for the well-off. We'll be right back. We have in studio Joshua Scharf, and we're talking about these subsidized commutes. First of all, many times I see empty trains and empty buses as I am driving around the metro area, and it drives me crazy. Yeah, there, there's no question that uh, that RTD has got a real problem in terms of running a lot of empty stuff. Uh, the buses that were supposed to be full. Now, buses, again, you know, I give them a little bit of slack because if you're going to run a system that's going to be available, that means often you will run them, you know, at night, you'll run them at where, where the guy getting off his shift at, you know, or the gal getting off her shift at the, you know, at the fast food place or the, or, or, or the, or the, the supermarket or whatnot is going to need to ride the bus at 11. And you're gonna you're gonna have to have a bus available. So I'm I'm willing to give a little bit of a slack to that. Light rail again, less so, just because uh, because so many of them are so empty so much of the time. There's a rush hour. There's a much more pronounced rush hour there. And and yes, you know when we drive down I-25 at whatever time, very rarely do we see you know assuming it's not one of the rush hour trains. Very mm-hmm. rarely do we see people on these trains. I know. And there is just uh, politicians, bureaucrats, interested parties, the people that build these things. You know, they, they have, um, you know, they, they don't really, they don't care about the results. They just want to get it built. And uh, they don't really care about uh, making sure that it's sufficient because it's being subsidized. They don't have to have results. Sure. Well, and you asked, you asked before about, uh, you know, the, 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 the listener who commented saying that she doesn't see, she, he doesn't see mm-hmm. uh, very many wealthy people on the bus. And that's probably true. I mean, you probably don't have a lot of people making 200 K who are, who are riding the bus, but I will tell you that, that there were times when I was working downtown, I'm a computer programmer. I was making relatively good money and I would take the bus, uh, and, and I wouldn't necessarily wear a suit, uh, because I, you know, I was a, I was a white collar professional. I'm, I would, would generally just wear, you know, uh, sort of business casual clothes. So it might not come across as being particularly well off just sitting there on the bus. The other thing is, again, as we pointed out, the increase in the shift to, uh, to, to, to a greater percentage of people riding being higher earners coincides with the, uh, with, with the expansion of light rail. So what that means is you're getting more commuters coming in from Douglas County, coming in from uh, the southern part of Arapahoe County, where incomes are higher, where people are, people are better off and they're making use of, 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 of these trains. So that's really where you are more likely to see the higher earners uh, using RTD, not necessarily the 15L or the 15, you know, the 15 local coming down, coming down uh, Colfax. Mm-hmm. Okay. Another thing, though, in trying to increase ridership, and like you mentioned, and so we're, we're talking about trains primarily, is you will see that, for example, at DU, at, at some of these colleges, mm-hmm. that part of their, their fees, their, their student fees, includes... And like a, a RTD pass, okay. Mm-hmm. So they're not they're not really paying for it. So they have this. They're trying to increase ridership, and so that is included in their fees. Mm-hmm. You see deals being made with, um, like the state of Colorado or businesses downtown, mm-hmm. where they will give um, you know, their employees can get a break mm-hmm. on their mm-hmm. RTD pass, mm-hmm. and even with all that, 
there are still so many empty trains. Well, ridership is down. We're not just trains, buses. Ridership is down in absolute terms. You would think in absolute terms over the last 10 years. I'm sorry, is that 10 years of the last? Well, I don't want to go back that far. Maybe since, maybe since 2010. Uh, ridership is down. And what does that mean? It means that even as the area has had explosive growth in population, fewer people in absolute terms are taking the bus to work every day. Fewer commuters are taking the bus. What is that saying? It's saying that the buses and the trains are not serving people's needs. And so, and what will happen with socialism is ultimately, and you're you're starting to see kind of this force thing start to move into this. We've had the carrots, if you will, the you know lowering the fees and and um, or like doing a deal with uh, businesses or <clears throat> government entities to get people to ride on these trains. But there's two things. As you mentioned, ridership is down, and CDOT is going around the state. Mm-hmm. Um, Patty had found this. This is, um, uh, and they're doing a kind of a listening tour, if you will. There is a new statewide planning effort called Your Transportation Plan, and it's a process that's building on Colorado's tradition of grassroots engagement to take a fresh look at our transportation investment priorities and ask people across Colorado what matters to their lives and what infrastructure can do to get them there. And I was thinking about it on the way in. Uh, so RTD is spending government money to, to, again, and their focus, and I actually heard Shoshana Liu at uh, a hearing that i gone to, she actually uh, said that they want to get people out of their cars. And so they're doing this listening tour. The listening tour actually is probably more of a trying to push people to support some kind of new programs oh, of to get people out of their cars. If you want to have a listening tour to the people of Colorado, there's two things that you can look at right now. First of all, you look at ridership and it's saying it's not meeting people's needs. And second of all, you look at people that actually even they know that there's going to be congestion on the roads. They still get in their personal vehicle. Absolutely. That is how they are voting. So if you want to listen to the people of Colorado, Mm -hmm. you don't have to spend money going out and trying to do all these different meetings because busy people many times are not going to be at these meetings. They may not even know about these meetings. If you really want to listen to what people are saying, look at how the choices they're making every day. Absolutely. Right. Those are the signals. People would absolutely much rather be in their cars than they would be on a bus, even though the bus might free them up to be able to read might free them up to, during the time that they're sitting there, might free them up to be able to read or, or just sit there, maybe doze off even uh, on the way in or the way back out, okay? Um, they would still rather be in their cars because we value, first of all, the sense of control that being in the car gives you, but also the fact that we have lifestyles that are not organized around, you know, the, or that are not organized like a 1950s New York commuter, right? We are, we are cross-county commuting. We are commuting... And then we have errands that we need to run on the way home, and the mm-hmm. bus is not going to stop and sit there and idle outside the Home Depot while I get the air filter. Or the dog food. It's not going to, right. Well, the do- <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, these are, but public transportation can be very, in- is very inconvenient for, for running errands and those kinds of things. Also, bear in mind that they say that they want to get you out of the car. And a lot of this is uh, for, for, um, and the pitch is, well, we'll get people out of the cars. And then, you know, people have these pictures in their head. Wow, all these people will be out of their cars. That means that my commute will go a lot faster. You know, we know how that works. And then the, the other, the, the, the last thing here is um, a lot of this is allegedly for the environment, right? So less CO2, less energy being used and so forth. Uh, Rand, the, the invaluable Randall O'Toole at, uh, at, 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 uh, at Reason 
uh, has got a spreadsheet that's publicly available, and one of the one of the graphs that he can produce is using various uh, various government sources on this is the BTUs and CO2 per passenger mile for cars, light trucks, and RTD for ver- or, or public transit for for various metro areas. For the Denver for RTD, public transit has the highest BTUs and the highest CO2 emissions per passenger mile. And what does that say? That says that people aren't riding on those, right? Because you have, you're still running the bus, you're still running the light rail, and fewer people are on there. So per passenger mile, it is the most expensive in terms of energy and the most expensive in terms of CO2 if you care about things like CO2. That's fascinating. And speaking of that, your piece in Complete Colorado, and just a plug for them, they aggregate all these different news sources throughout Colorado, and they update it three times a day. And so it's Mike a great... Krause does an incredible job oh, with they that. Do, they do a great job. He and Justin, they're just awesome. And and then up at the ban- up at the top, the banner. If you click on that, that's all of these original pieces, like like where yours is. And then in your piece. You actually have a, a link to this uh, transit char- chart that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And uh, so turn off the TV, you know, and take an extra 30 minutes, read Joshua's article, get your brain around this, because they are going to try to get rid of Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. And they're going to say one of the things that they're, they're going to be working on is transportation. And when they say transportation, politicians, bureaucrats, and um, interested parties, when they say transportation, what they mean is trains and buses and bikes. When we say transportation, we're thinking about roads and bridges. And uh, so we need to make sure that we protect Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, and make sure that uh, we, we uh, know what we're talking about. So get to Joshua's article in Complete Colorado and also the spreadsheet. <laughs> I think you're going to need more than 30 minutes on that one. <laughs> Joshua, it's so great to have you in studio. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much, Kim. And really appreciate the good work that you do. Uh, you know, Breaking down these numbers, it then en- enables us to talk about the heart because the heart and the wallet of everyday hardworking people are connected, I think. <laughs> <laughs> they, are, they, are, they are. They're not the same thing, but, it's a, it, but they are certainly connected. When you have your hopes and your dreams and your future and your plans, you know, a lot of that is what you, what, what, you know, you're working to make those things real. And people oftentimes, unfortunately, are working and making, thing, making that harder for people.